The opening words of the Bible say, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, God. God was the only one who was at the beginning. That's what the Bible declares. Most of us accept that statement without any problem. We have always believed this to be true. But does that mean it is true? Did God truly create this world and the entire universe? How do we know that God even exists at all? Not everyone readily accepts the things that the Bible tells us. Some people question how we can believe what we believe as followers of Jesus Christ. Believing is not so easy for them. Skepticism is okay for a time. Skepticism is good as long as we search for the truth with an open mind. Questions are okay. Questions are good as long as we accept the truth once we see it or hear it. So this summer, I want us to look at some of the most common questions people have about God and faith. We are calling this series, Questions That Deserve an Answer. Some of the questions we will be answering this summer include, Does God exist? Why would a good God allow so much evil and suffering to exist? How can we know the Bible is a reliable record of the original writings? Don't most religions point us to the same God? Why or why not? Did Jesus really exist? What evidence do we have other than the Bible? How can we possibly think that Jesus is the only way to heaven? These questions deserve an answer. And so we want to help those who are asking them to get the answers that they need. God is not afraid of our questions. God is not afraid of the truth, for all truth points to him eventually. If we will seek the truth honestly, we will find the truth and in the end, find God. What is truly amazing is that while we are seeking God, God is seeking us. God wants a relationship with each of us. So his spirit is working on all of us to bring us back to God. This sermon series will also encourage those of us who are Christians to be more grounded in our faith so that we can better share Jesus with other people. 1 Peter 3.15 says, Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. I hope that we will take note and learn whatever we can so that we can be prepared to discuss these matters with other people. Apologetics is an area of learning that seeks to establish and defend our faith in God. Christian apologetics equips us to give the reason for the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. But we must always do this with gentleness and respect. Does God exist? How can we know for sure? This question has been debated for centuries. We may all say with confidence that God exists. But simply saying God exists doesn't mean he does. Even if the vast majority of people in the world believe God exists, and they do, we can't just say he exists because most people think he does. Atheists deny God's existence and demand some kind of proof that he exists before they will believe. What proofs do we even have? As far as proofs go, I wonder if proofs are really even possible when we're talking about someone who is not skin and bone like we are. Proof works well for topics like physical science or mathematics, 
But how do you go about proving someone who is invisible and transcendent like God? Matt Slick of the Christian Apologetics and Research Ministry asks, how do you prove there is a great being outside of our universe? Do we look for footprints in a riverbed? Do we examine evidence under a microscope and say, aha, there's God? That would be the wrong approach. And I agree. How do we define, how do we quantify someone like God? How big is God? How old is God? Where did God come from? Can we trace his genealogy? What does he even look like anyhow? Do you see the problems that we face? If someone thinks God does not exist, how might we convince them that he does? If someone has been doubting God's existence for a long time, several things may need to change in their thinking or perspective before they may even be willing to admit that he might exist. So if you want to help someone come to the point where they believe in God, be patient and know that many conversations will need to happen. This is a big question in someone's life, perhaps the biggest question of all. We shouldn't expect a sudden change to occur as a result of just one or two conversations. If you are listening today and don't believe in God, we welcome you. We're glad that you're listening. I doubt that a single sermon will convince you to suddenly start believing in God. I do hope, however, that I can give you some good reasons to think that God might exist so that you will explore the matter further. If we can't prove God's existence the same way as we prove other things, and if someone doesn't accept the biblical record as fact, what are we supposed to do? How can we answer the question, does God exist? Can we at least look at what we do know to deduce a response? Can we look at logic and reason, draw logical conclusions about God's possible existence? I think so. Isn't that the same way we make other important decisions? For most people, creation itself points to a creator, a being who is behind everything we see. Our world is the very reason we see to believe that God exists. We look around us at the beauty and the complexity of our world, and we just can't imagine it was all just a matter of chance and randomness. I have a book called The Handbook of Christian Apologetics. It includes 20 arguments for the existence of God. 20 ways various people have tried to show that God exists. I encourage you to begin exploring these arguments for yourself. I'll share just two of them this morning. The first is a causality argument for God's existence. It is also called the column argument. It basically says, whatever begins to exist has a cause for its coming into being. The universe begins to exist. Therefore, the universe has a cause for its coming into being. The causality argument says that for every effect in the world, there is a cause. And each cause is the effect of a prior cause. If you hear a piano playing music, you know that there's someone playing that piano. If they stop playing, the music stops. Or let's say you buy a new car. You go out to the driveway the next morning and you push the ignition button and the engine roars to life. You turn on the AC and begin listening to the Sirius XM radio on your surround sound entertainment center. Everything is working perfectly and you are grateful, you are excited that you could have a car like this. You think how wonderful it is that people could create such a vehicle. 
back through the dealership to the factory where it was made, to the various suppliers that supplied parts, to the factory, to the design team who designed it, and even back to the guy who first thought up a motorized vehicle in the first place. You think, man, we've come a long way since horse and buggy days. Never did you think that that car came to your driveway all on its own. There were cause and effect all along the way. Logic demands that something or someone was at the beginning of the chain of causes and effects we call our universe. The materials and the design we can observe today started somewhere with someone. Where did our universe come from? A logical conclusion is that God is the first cause of the world that we see and observe today. And while the complexities of the vehicles people drive today amaze us. They are nothing compared to the complexity of God's design everywhere in this universe. From the largest things in our universe down to subatomic particles only seen in a microscope, everything is purposefully arranged. What we see over and over again is order, not chaos. What we see is design, not random chance. How can a rational person think these intricacies are the result of an explosion or evolution? A second good argument for God's existence is the moral argument. The moral argument explores concepts like morality and ethics, which are so instinctive to human beings. Why does every human society in the world think that murder is wrong? Why don't we think it's okay to survive at any cost, even if we have to take the life of someone else? The fact that we're all outraged by racial injustice comes from somewhere or someone. If there was no designer who put that value, that moral principle inside us, why would it even matter to us? Either our moral choices are completely subjective and therefore meaningless, or they are grounded in some unchanging standard that is inbred within us. The reason we think in moral terms and share moral ideas is that there is a moral lawgiver, God, the God who made us. In addition to these and many other arguments, we must add simply our personal experiences and observations. What we have seen or felt in our lives that make us think that, that there is someone greater than ourselves someone that is out there, and we have this sense of this? Have we ever been curious about someone beyond ourselves whom we have somehow been drawn to? In the Bible, the Athenians, the Apostle Paul spoke to in Acts 17, had built an altar to a God, and they just called him the unknown God. They knew that they should worship God even if they didn't know for sure who he was. Blaise Pascal said that there is a void or vacuum in the heart of man that can only be filled by God. Man tries to fill that void by everything around him, but discovers that this infinite abyss can be filled only with an infinite and immutable object. In other words, by God himself, he said. People interpret life based on their personal experiences and observations. That said, what have we, you and I, experienced in this life so far? What have we seen? What have we seen when we looked at nature or the intricate functions of our own bodies? What have we perhaps witnessed in people or relationships that we cannot explain, other than to think that some force outside ourselves did something remarkable in our lives? Have we seen answers to prayer, or even miracles that can't be explained naturally? 
Have we seen someone's life change dramatically? Perhaps a trusted friend who said the change was possible only through God. Does God exist? The Bible affirms that he does. From its opening words, God is at the beginning. The very one who caused all other things. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the New Testament, the second part of the Bible, we read in Romans 1, 19 and 20, that what may be known about God is plain to men because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that men are without excuse. Unfortunately, Romans 1 also states that some people try to suppress the truth and refuse to glorify God as God or give thanks to Him. We also read in the New Testament that God came to earth in human form, in Jesus Christ, so that we could see Him and learn much more about Him. God wanted to be known, and He came to save us so that we could spend eternity with Him. That's why Jesus came. Note two important Bible passages with me. Colossians 1, 15 and 16 says this, that Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. And then in 1 John 1, 1 and 2, the apostle John said of Jesus, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared. We have seen it and testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared to us. John and Paul both testify to their own experiences of God and how their lives were turned upside down by Jesus Christ, God in the flesh. Trying to decide whether God exists or not, we basically have two choices in life. First, we can choose to trust in man's limited reason. Man's reason has produced various philosophies, many world religions and cults, and a lot of other ideas and worldviews. The great variety in these ideas is because none of them really work. And none of them really satisfy man's heart and soul. Man's reason starts and ends with himself. It is limited because man is limited by time and space. This should cause us to consider the second choice we have, the choice to accept God's revelation in the Bible. Of course, to accept the Bible, that it is from God, one must acknowledge that God exists and that God has spoken. But note this, belief in the Bible and the God of the Bible does not negate the use of our reason. It does not mean that we stop thinking. As Matt Slick says, it is when we seek God that he opens our eyes, enlightens our understanding, and grants us wisdom. Readily available to all of us is God's creation, the universe, and the Bible. All creation bears silent witness to our creator and is in fact God's invitation to man to discover more about him. God's book, the Bible, has its own validity and historical accuracy, which we will see in a few weeks. Does God exist? Our question for today. Well, does your examination of the world show intelligent design or random chance? 
when you see the systems and the synchronization needed for this world to work and keep working, does it seem to you that the whole thing just happened or that there was a creator, a first cause for whatever we can see and experience? What preconceptions are you operating from? Those who believe there is a God see evidence for him wherever they look. Those who do not believe there is a God see reasons to doubt his existence in many places. Can we each set aside our preconceptions enough to be open-minded as we look at the evidence available to us for or against the existence of God? I hope we can. But please know this. God wants to be known. The creation is in his invitation to look closer for him. He has left markers all over the place for those who are seeking to find him. And in fact, as I said, he's seeking us at the same time. Even more, he came into the world as Jesus to show exactly who he is and to provide us a way back to him. Does God exist? I am confident that he does. What about you? May we pray together. God, we thank you for making yourself known to us. Your grace gave us everything that we have. You have revealed yourself and your creation. Even more, you gave us your word, the Bible, so that we can know all about you and what you are doing in the world, even today. We know that people can reject you, that we are not forced to believe in you. We know that we must come to believe in you if we're ever going to know what your plan is for our life. And so I pray for everyone hearing this prayer this morning that our hearts and minds will be open to you so that you can show us whatever you want us to know. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.